It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. It is the fourth trophy of preseason, the first big trophy of the of the season. It's a curtain raiser against Manchester City. We prevented them from winning their seventh Community Shield. Arsenal are back on winning, back to their winning. I've, I've messed this up. I've messed this start up. I'm just too excited. Arsenal are beating Manchester City in the Community Shield. I'm joined by Johnny Cochran. I'm joined by Matt Candela. Welcome to the show, guys. Are you happy to be an Arsenal fan right now? How's the feelings? I'm absolutely gassed. I mean, the the thing is, is you start to remember what this game can do to you. We were literally, and and like Matt kind of alluded to earlier, I I thought that the performance was there today either way. And I actually think we got our just desserts out of the game. I like what we're about largely, but these situations are about getting the win. You know, it comes down to it. I'm sitting walking off the pitch being like, hey, you played well today. Do you know what I mean? So to dig in, to dig deep and get over the line, it was important. It felt seismic. And yeah, I'm absolutely giddy right now. Enjoying my Sunday now. Matt Williams, Salih back with a new contract, just said in the comments, let's get deluded. I feel like it's totally appropriate to get deluded. You've given the game a 10 out of 10. How are your feelings right this second? Yeah, I mean, really, really happy. I think I woke up thinking it felt thinking it was going to be a bit like preseason. You know, you typically think of Community Shield as preseason, then walked into the bar around the corner, fancy free, absolutely roadblock, absolutely packed with gooners. The atmosphere was red hot. Arsenal came out the blocks. This was game zero of a thirty-eight game season. It meant something. Uh, we went at it. I loved the performance from top to bottom. I loved the result. Um, so just, just excited. I think there were some concerns. They were like, what is this game really determines how we look back on preseason. Was it, was it patchy? Was it good? Are we ready? And I think what we know is it was a good preseason. We're absolutely ready. We've done our business in the transfer window. There's still some outgoings to go, but we're ready to roll. 
Love that. Okay, without further ado. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. The game was hot. The weather was hot. The trophy win was hotter. The performance of Aaron Ramsdale was the hottest it's ever been. But Matt Candela, I'm going to you for the AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy, sir. My hottest of takes is um, there was a psychological issue that we've had with Manchester City. Um, I was even explaining it away to myself. I was saying, we played well. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, The performance was there. Uh, I was just getting myself ready for this podcast, expecting it to start about 20 minutes ago. Um, and and we've been conditioned to make those sorts of excuses in our minds. Um, and then everything got turned on its head with Trossard's late winner. But the reality is it was so much bigger than that because psychologically we managed to um, get one over our big rivals. We just at the last at the last managed to just put ourselves in pole position, made them feel some pain, made them feel some hurt. Um, And I think that's really, really going to bode well. And I think you saw the reactions from Mikel Arteta, from the players. Um, They weren't treating it like a preseason. This was important. Um, And and I think it's really going to be a stepping stone to whatever we achieve this season. And it means that when we go and play them in the league, there is not an inferiority complex. Because the last time we played them, it was like men against boys at the Etihad. All the momentum had swung their way. It was frankly, didn't didn't even feel like us, didn't even look like us. Whereas now this is uh, the backdrop to the next game. And um, and um, I think it's, it's a really, really important win uh, for all the things that we want to achieve this season. Johnny, Matt thinks the win was very important for what we're trying to achieve this season. Where are you going to take the hottest of takes? Uh, well, I would say that it's about as perfect a victory as we could have hoped for. It ticks so many boxes. We all know about the Community Shield curse. I'm not sure whether that counts when you win on penalties. So we've kind of avoided that, still won the trophy, broken the, bit, broken the biggest hoodoo we have against the club side. I thought the, 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 the main point was that we were competitive against them all the way through. There was a, the latest in a long stream of youngsters playing for a rival club who wants to come in and make their name, make their career of us. Colton Palmer's love child, curling things into the top corner. Sick of it. No one will know No one will know your name in two years. And yet today you want to go and win. The, not happening. We weren't going to do it. Just like Neil Mellor from years ago at Liverpool. No one speaks about him now. He's a commentator. Finished. I didn't want someone stepping in and having an influence over a game, Federico Makeda style. No one knows about you, and yet you're holding a, 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 a an, an era, a dynasty together with these little supplementary goals here and there. We stepped up. It was a big moment. I think that what you're talking about is, if there was, let's just talk about it, if there was going to be a shift of era, a shift of dominance, these are the kinds of games which they always start from. This is where they emanate from. There is a moment where it looks like things are just going to carry on and then something changes, it snaps, and then suddenly what what the world was like three minutes ago no longer feels like what it is today. And it the way the reason why I say it was a perfect victory is because we matched City. Of course we did. But it's not the first time we matched City. There was a game at the Emirates, not last season, but the season before, 
We dominated the game. Pep Guardiola walked off after beating us and saying we should have lost. They were better than us. What does that mean? Arsenal fans are bored of, of spending empty compliments. You know, we want points on boards. We want trophies in cabinets. This is no longer about, you know, uh, get, being complimentary. At the end of the day, in a crunch moment, we stepped up and delivered the goods. And I love the fact that it was skanky. Champions Leagues get won through skanky goals. No one's sitting there going, it don't count if it's not a 30-yard top corner. Bumble it over the line, then get your keeper ready, because we're stepping up and we're knocking our penalties away. Deal with that, City. I tell you what, it doesn't mean we're definitely going to win the league, but it shows you that in tough moments, we're going to be more of a problem for them this year, and I love it. Love those hot takes. Because uh, you guys always steal the best hot takes. I'm I'm left with the, the, the third sub in the 93rd minute for my hot takes. So uh, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, competition. Competition for places is what Arteta needed to do this summer. We went from a squad of maybe 14 players that he trusted to a squad that now looks like 18 or 19 players that we trust. And there's always a bit of concern, you know, how is this going to impact players Um, what's this going to be like for the overall vibe? I thought everybody on the pitch looked extremely focused. I thought we saw great performances from players that are either challenging for positions or have positions under threat. Thomas Party, great game. Yuri and Timber is going to cause Zinchenko some problems. He looked absolutely exceptional. Aaron Ramsdale's looking at David Rea headlines and he absolutely pulled off some world-class saves and saved some penalties um, that helped win us the game. The, the, The squad is full of Swiss Army Knife players. And today, I think, was the first game that we saw how that could impact us because putting a right-back at left-back is now not a weakness for Arsenal, where it was last season. And you just just like compute that in your head. Kai Havertz playing as a number nine, he's a third-choice striker. It wasn't a weakness today. So we've got all of these component parts that can switch in and out. That we are going to be dangerous. And this this team, is, this, is that's kind of the first really important game that they played. Imagine what this is going to be like after six months. The future is bright. The future is competitive. And I'm excited to get this podcast underway because we've got so many topics because there were so many great individual performances out there today. Um, I want to sort of land on the first bit. Um, Matt talked about, uh, you know, this being a statement win um, because Matt went first on that one, Johnny. Like, what does this mean in the grand scheme of uh, of the Premier League season? In the our Patreon, uh, before the whistle, you talked about the Community Shield curse. Do you still think there's a curse? Or do you think that this sort of win can bypass that? Yeah, it can bypass it. I don't I don't care about superstition when it's not going when it's going against us. It's it's folly. We're there and we've shown that we can more than match them. In the day, one thing that is quite clear is this game did mean more to us than them. It did. But at the end of the day, when you're the champ, everyone's going to give you their best shot. And that's what City are going to get. Every single week, people are fighting for their lives against you. And, and we were certainly giving them our best shot. That's what they should expect. But if we gave them a best shot, and even, you know, against the run of play, came out without getting over the line... It's just another little nail in the coffin of a situation where sometimes in sport you can end up with a team that absolutely has your number. Even when you are actually better than them, you still end up finding ways to lose. And it was starting to creep into that. Like City, for me, I, I you know, that was a competitive game, but I, I really didn't feel like they deserved to win it. 
it was a tight one. Ultimately, a draw, I think, was a, a probably a sound result. And we had more bottle than them in the end. But, you know, w- sometimes it gets to a stage where it's a mental hurdle at the end. And that is the biggest stumbling block. Most of what we're going to deal with this year, because we've clearly added quality players, good running, more athleticism. I expect us, I expect us, I should say, to be able to meet the physical demands a lot better this year. But the biggest stumbling block, the biggest hurdle will be a mental one. It will be starting with belief. It will be players looking around and saying, we are actually the best team. It's very hard to look around the league, find a team that won the treble last year and actually believe that you're the best team in the league. This is the way that you do it. You go and you, you face them down and you say, these players will be on the thing to the, on the bus day going, we, we, we went toe-to-toe with them and we beat them. It's going to give us a weight, an absolute huge amount of confidence. And, and for that matter, I think the result was absolutely influential. And if we win it, we'll look back to this moment and think it all started from that. Matt, it's always uh, a bad move to underestimate Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, but they have just won uh, a treble. They've won the Champions League, which was um, their own version of a boogeyman. Um, how important is the win for Arsenal? But to have a slight pivot on Johnny's question, does this matter to Manchester City? And will this cast any doubt over you know one of the most winningest machines uh, in, in club football? I don't think it's going to really matter for Manchester City. I don't think we've somehow got some uh, hex over them because we won today. But I think it mattered for us because it does a few things. One is it was an opportunity to see, I think, what our, what our first choice team is probably going to look like in the absence of Gabby Jesus. And we did that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think um, Havertz and, and Eddie will share some minutes. But we, we saw, I think, that... Rice is not fully up to speed and therefore will have to play with Thomas Party for a while. And I think it worked quite well. Um, so we saw what our first choice team looks like. Um, we're set, I think, for like August, September. So that was really, really useful. I think we um, we didn't lose, which was a really, really big thing because we've just, I think we lost the last eight games against them. Um, something something ridiculous. So we, So we broke the back of that. Um, we have given ourselves uh, the sense that we can start the season quickly. You know, I think that's really, really important because I think we know we're going to have to get off to a good start because I think Manchester City traditionally start the season slightly slower and it's all relative. Slightly slower means like draw a couple of games in their first 10. Um, Whereas, and and they normally finish just in, in insane form. So I think the start's really important to us. So, there's just a huge amount of benefits to us to do it. And also it's just that whole winnativity. And I think you, you got it in that. If anyone read that Aaron Ramsdale article in the players tribune, where he said, like, I've never won anything. Um, I've been, been battling relegation, like even like top four, top two. I mean, it's all up for me because I've never been anywhere near it. And it's sort of the same for everyone in our squad. So it's all just like building that, that, that muscle memory around what it takes to get things over the line and to win trophies. And I think there is there is a muscle involved, and that's why Manchester City have been so dangerous. But what we're showing is we're developing that muscle very, very quickly too. So, yeah, huge, huge result for us. Just one quick thing as well on the muscle memory. I don't know if you guys thought about this as well. 
We obviously played at Wembley. Half our players, we've got a good English core, who are all used to playing at Wembley most of their games. Saka usually plays well there as well. The Champions League's at Wembley this year. And the fact is, is sometimes that muscle memory kicks in and you go, last time we played here, we won a trophy. If we were to get to the I'm not saying that we will get the Champions League final, but if we do, our squad will have good recent memories of getting the job done. And that stuff in elite sport, when it's slim pickings between the teams, that stuff makes a difference. So it's, a, it's you don't know how influential this this win might be. I think the I think the difference that it will make to Manchester City is last year you always got the impression that it was men chasing boys, and this season I think that I think you called it earlier on a text message to me, Matt. You said this feels like a Champions League performance. It was very mature, and even just how we how we stacked up against their physicality. Didn't look like men versus boys this time. Um, Manchester City have got a, a full-blown adult that's a little bit younger um, chasing them this season. I think the um, coming off the back of a treble win is always difficult. I think they've lost a lot of leadership in that dressing room. And they had an incredible amount of luck last year. And I don't mean that in a sour grapes kind of way, but no major injuries, um, which is mad considering they played, what, you know, 65-odd games last year. Um, no real bad decisions went against them. And, you know, Kevin De Bruyne didn't start today. And I think he's going to have some injury issues this year. It's just what happens when players get 29 and older. Um, so I think that this will cast a little bit of doubt uh, for Manchester City. Um, and I think that the the real win, though, is Arsenal players. The last boogeyman hiding under the monster, you know, we've just shone a light on. And it's it's not that scary. I think that because Arteta has come from Manchester City, maybe at training, the you know, the team that he talks about the most is Manchester City. And I think we were they were very much living rent-free in our heads. And for the first 15 minutes today, it looked like we were a little bit petrified out there. But then as the game grew and we didn't concede and the tactics started to work and you saw Haaland was kind of nullified, um, the, the players started to believe. And, you know, exit in a half against Manchester City um, with 0.7 XG versus 0.08 is, was a massive achievement. Uh, to come back... Uh, after going 1-0 down against an incredible uh, goal late on is a massive achievement. And then to win on penalties. I mean, like we've had some ropey penalty shootouts, just the, even in preseason. Uh, the, the the swagger that went into those, I just think that the belief's going to be really important. I don't know why Johnny keeps on uh, exiting the building. Is he going to go for a little uh, change of clothes? He's going to find that little neon kit and surprise us all. Uh, oh, he's getting oh, another beer. Oh, here he is. Here he is. Johnny's back with another beer. Okay. All right. It's a Sunday. We just won the Community Shield. If anyone in the audience, you're counting. Okay. Yes, this is another one. My brother left one. And this is a fancy one as well. It's one of those. Oh, it's 6%. It's a 6%. Oh, that'll get my attention, won't it? But I tell you what, if I can't have a beer, a strong beer, a nice beer on a Sunday when we've just won a Community Shield, when, when will I? When will I? That's my question to you. Exactly, Johnny. You you enjoy that beer. I'm on a I'm on a Lacroix. Um, okay, let's go into the topics because there were so many great performances. I'm going to go to performances by uh, social media heat. How much I thought people were talking about certain players during the game, and I think it's pretty clear where I'm going first. Oh, Durian Timber. Durian Timber is our second choice right back. 
and he's come in. He's knocked out our third choice right back. And he played an absolute masterclass at left back. He oh. had explosive pace. He had incredible technique. Um, his heat map was literally the whole pitch because he was everywhere all through the game. Matt, I know that you took particular pleasure in that performance. What did you make of Jury and Timber? Uh, how good can he be? And has Zinchenko got to up his game when he comes Well, back let me tell you this. First of all, you got your facts wrong because he's not a second choice right back. He's our first choice fullback. That's what he is. He's our first choice fullback. He is starting. Love the nuance there. <laughs> he is starting number one. Uh, he's the num- the first choice fullback. Absolutely, there is no one starting above him, and it depends what side because I don't understand how anyone can play both sides the way he does. It's unreal what he did, the way he's come in. He is incredible, and I think um, I was I was watching with. Uh, a coach from QPR's academy who was coaching me uh, through the game, giving me some intel. And he was saying, you know, fullback, obviously, one probably the hardest position to play on the pitch. And if you can play fullback, it's just pure, you're a pure footballer because you have to do everything. You have to be in transition. You have to defend. You have to attack. You have to, there, there's nothing you can't do. The ability you need to be able to step in to a new team, the way he's stepped in, Especially when you look against the backdrop of, say, Declan Rice, who wasn't bad, but I mean, you can clearly see the the learning curve that he's going through to understand that the ability to be able to do what what Jurian Timber's doing. I mean, he's gonna. I think he'll he'll if he's fit, he'll start every game somewhere. Um, watch out, Sinchenko. Uh, watch out, Ben White, because I think he can, he can do absolutely everything. He was unreal today. Johnny, is it a coincidence that when Jurian Timber went off and uh, Kieran Tierney came on, we conceded a goal? How good was Jurian Timber's performance? And is he just a fullback? Do you expect to see him all over the pitch this season? Because he can also play in midfield. Well, you're you're talking about categories of, you know, players in terms of positions. And the category I'd put him in is full-blown piss taker. We've got one here. The guy is the real deal. I thought he would. I, I was excited about him the moment he came through the door. I thought he was going to be really good. He looks really, really, he looks the full part. I like Matt. I agree. I think the guy's starting 90% of the games. It's really funny, actually, because if you're not already a member of our Patreon, then get over to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion and sign up. But link we were in talking, bio. The link is in the bio, Johnny. Link in bio. We were talking before the whistle. And our, pat- our patrons do like it before the whistle. They get involved. And we were saying about the comments from Zinchenko and about the fact that he said, possibly, tongue-in-cheek, I don't even know. He might. He may even be better than me. That was the, <laughs> that was the comments from Zinchenko. We laughed it off on this pod. And we said he's probably just, you know, being playful and actually thinks he's better. There's another time when that's happened. I'm not. I'm not bringing this up just you know for a spurious co- uh, uh, comment. I remember when Lionel Messi broke through it, uh, um, and I'm not saying Timber's Messi before anyone thinks I'm going to get really on. I like where you're going, Johnny. But Keep when, on when, going. Me- when Messi first broke through the academy at Barcelona, it was well established fact that Ronaldinho was the best player in the world at that point. He certainly had the Ballon d'Ors to prove it, and I remember. Just as he was starting to break through, my brother used to watch Barcelona games every week. He was loving them anyway. And he he, he pointed me to an interview where Juan Andino was just coming back from injury, I think. And they were saying, oh, you know, 
um, do you think you're the best player in the world? And he was like, best player in the world? I'm not even sure I'm the best player at the club anymore. And people laughed because he was talking about this young lad, Messi. But he weren't messing around. And as time went on, people actually started to go, oh, <laughs> you were serious. You, you, you're not sure whether you're better than Messi. Turns out, as good a player as Ronaldinho is, no, he wasn't better than Messi because Messi is unquestionably a top three, top three player of all time. Even if you've got something out against him, I think he's probably proved himself as the GOAT. But either way, I digress. The fact is, sometimes players will give you their honest take. And maybe Zinchenko's looked at Timba and gone, he might be better than me. He might be. He he, he offers different things to me. Um, I thought it was an absolutely standout performance for him. I thought it was sensational. And um, I think what he adds to us with his versatility going forward, he's a very, very um, good technical football player but seems way more defensively robust, not getting run in behind. The likes of Zinchenko towards the end of the season, we were getting pillaged, you know, in behind him. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen. He's got that backery sang you like, absolute, I am tonk. I, you can't get through me. So, um, listen, a real eye-catching performance. And it justifies the kind of money and outlay that we've put on him. And, and the fact that the Arsenal fans have been so excited by what he would have to bring to the party. A lot of praise for Urien Timber. I, I thought he was exceptional today. Uh, I'm absolutely blown away that you can, you know, when you watch Dutch football, it's just a lot slower than, than the Premier League. You get a lot more time on the ball. He plays for an extremely dominant club. And it just blows my mind that he can come in and connect with the team um, so quickly. I mean, it shows the level of intelligence that he's got as a player. Uh, it shows his outrageous technique and it just also proves out. I think it was Marco Van Basten heaped a lot of praise um, on him in the, during the summer. And it all seems to have proved out. Not not like uh, Vincent Company when he was praising Sam Conga. This is a different type of praise. Um, I'm just excited to see how he's going to adapt. I love the fact that Ben White now has somebody that we can really rotate him in and out with because he's had fatigue problems um, throughout the season. And the thing that excites me most is this squad feels Champions League capable. I was really worried that we go into next season, not quite have the depth, start to pick up injuries and then really struggle. Um, but everybody looks like they're a competitor. You know, we've got a little bit more dead wood to exit from the squad, maybe a couple more signings just to really make sure. But my word, like we look like we're going to be competitive for the off. I've said it lots of times during um, preseason. Arteta is speed running, having a, having a pop at the Champions League and the Premier League this season. I wasn't sure how quickly it was going to land, but after today, my word, I'm feeling excited. Okay, um, we're going to move on to the next topic. There's uh, one thing, I one, one last thing on Timber. Have you seen that IX third kit? They've brought out this, someone, someone uh, Jason from Fancy Free alerted me to this. They've brought out this third shirt, which is all based around uh, diamonds. So it's a black shirt. It's really fucking nice. It's got all these diamonds on it. And the concept behind it is that it's all the diamonds, past, present, and future, are play so each diamond has got a player associated with them. And they've got players like Dennis Bergkamp. They've got players like Patrick Cliver. Cliver like the greatest players David that have ever Eagle. worn that shirt have been represented Aaron by Vincent. a diamond on the new shirt. Timber's got a diamond. They that's, well, I mean that's how highly yeah. they are thinking about him. And like that really was just like what one, what a class act, what an absolute class act. But for, but for 
for them to put Timber in a list. Age 22, just been transferred to Arsenal. Hasn't even got going in his career. No. So put him on a list with Dennis Bergkamp, Carnu, um, Patrick Cliver. That's the level they hold him to. We have we have got an absolute steal. We've got an absolute bargain. Who's got a back four with Urian Timber and William Saliba in world football? It's, can it's I, can unbelievable. I, say, Matt, I don't think that I don't think you get players like Timber at this stage because he is moving into his prime. Unless you're a bit, you're a big deal. We are, you know, for, for ages we've talked about the fact that we are becoming a storyline again. We are becoming the destination for talented footballers to want to play. He chose us. He he would have had many a suitor. We said we were interested. He said, I want to go there. We've got a lot of players who seem certain about us. We must be doing something right. And he looks like he's fitting just like, you know. Johnny, I'll, ag- I'll agree, but only partly. Timber is not anywhere near his prime. He's 22 years old. Just That's what I mean. He's heading in, though, isn't he? He's heading into his prime. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of terrorism. doing things right, 745 people in the room at the moment. Yeah. Wow. But have they all, have they all smacked the like, Matt? Why don't you ask? Have you uh, have you smacked it? <laughs> I've smacked we're, the like. I'm, we're I'm, in, I'm we're putting in likes on our own content. If you're in, in the room and you're watching this, either subscribe, smack that like. Or give us a five star review. Or, no three stars should, should we, today, my we, friend. Should we get the? I think we should play the Patreon lad. Uh, yeah, we should do that. Let's just get this out of the way while we move on to the next bit. If you're listening to this, we hope you're having a great time and getting all the same fields as a last-minute Reese Nelson winner. If that is the case, you're probably thinking, well, how can I get more of this elite content? We'll wonder no more, people. All you have to do is head over to our Patreon and sign up. For the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can get access to our weekly Patreon-exclusive podcast, ad-free, may I add, and with video, so you get to enjoy Pete's female prison haircut in high definition. You can also join our Patreon Discord, so you can chat with the rest of the community about all things Arsenal, as well as things like ticket exchanges, etc. Go to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion and become one of our patrons today. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Absolute slander of the haircut. The haircut looks fantastic. I might actually change the haircut because of the bullying. Uh, and I am definitely going to file a complaint to our in-house HR team. It is outrageous. Let's move on to the next topic. Am I, I, I am not a self-serving guy. You two know that. I would never, ever tee up an entire section uh, to reference my prediction of the game that was on the Before the Whistle that went on our Patreon. Rams, Dalians, Unite, 
my prediction in the last podcast was the storyline was going to be Aaron Ramsdale driven. And it didn't look like it was going to go that way. But he made uh, two exceptional saves back to back from a, a one on one. Uh, which clipped his ankle and went out, and then a near post header that he forked out. Then he saved the penalty. Competition in the squad drives better performances. Uh, Johnny, what did you think of Aaron Ramsdale's performance? Do you think in the back of his head, he's saying, yeah, fuck you with this David Ray nonsense, not having that. He's not taking my place. When I said that it was a perfect performance, I really did. I really did mean it. Like, it had redemption arcs. It had, you know, twists and turns, you know, a last minute thriller. Um, it was brilliant. And Aaron Ramsdale got to take his share of the limelight and walk off as, you know, a, a, a bit of a, a, a symbolic hero, um, as keepers often do when you win a penalty shootout, obviously. But I thought there were a few moments in the game where he made really, really big saves, big moments. Um, there was, um, yeah, there, 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 were, there were a number of saves to be honest. I thought that Ramsdale really stepped up with, and he didn't, he didn't really make me feel too panicked at any point. There was one pass out from the back, which put us under a little bit of pressure, which I didn't really like. But outside of that, big moments, he stepped up. And when you, you know, for those that haven't read the article, I will, I will encourage you to read his, um, Players Tribune article. And he's talking about his, you know, at, at points, his mental health in, in difficult situations, not, like, not least tragic family events. But to, for him to come out and step up when there will obviously be a lot of eyes on him, we are, we are publicly going after another keeper. He now, this isn't about niceties. This isn't about how much the Arsenal fans like Aaron Ramsdale. Because I tell you what, if we were doing fucking Uber ratings for Arsenal players. Aaron Ramsdale would get a five-star rating. Everyone loves him. He's a lovely bloke. He's a nice bloke. We can all get behind him. Him and Bukayo Saka walking around with five-star ratings. But this ain't about, you know, this ain't Uber. And this ain't about, you know, it's not the Care Bears. We're in it to win. And he has to be giving us the best chance to win. And these are the kinds of moments where he can start to seriously take you know, um, confidence and use it as building blocks to get him into that elite level where he is challenging Alisson, where he is challenging um, Edison. And he is saying to David Raya, I am the best here. And that's what we need from him because at the end of the day, he's brilliant, he's shown talent, but we are going to need a more consistent, well-rounded approach all season next year if we're going to actually challenge for the league. I thought he was fantastic. Matt, it's been a big week for Aaron Ramsdale. He's probably going to win a Pulitzer for his incredible article at the Players' Tribune. Um, he's won the hearts and minds of fans all around the world. But has he won the heart and mind of Mikel Arteta long-term? What did you make of the performance? And do you expect more of the same heading into the season? Now he's got a little bit more to focus on. Love the performance. Um, I think he's he's obviously capable of that, but to do it on the biggest stage of them all, I think he enjoys the biggest stages. I think his issue is not doing it on the biggest stage. I think it's doing it in the humdrum of everyday league games occasionally and where his focus lets him down. And I think, I don't think David Raya has been brought in, if we get him, has been brought in as a replacement. I think uh, Matt Turner wanted to leave. And Mikel Arteta being the um, aggressive, uh, just desire oh, of winning mm. means... 
he's gone, how can we get a better player in than Matt Turner leaving? Because I think he's got a bit of the Pep Guardiola. If you don't want to be here, then we don't want you here. Matt Turner wants to go. He's gone, who can I replace him with? What's the best player I can replace him with? And I think David Rea is is got to, I mean, he obviously is backing himself, which is great to wrestle the wrestle the ship from Aaron Ramsdale. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, Aaron Ramsdale, I mean, he's a guy who every time he's faced adversity has just gone and bounced back from it and overcome it. And it doesn't matter what it's been, whether it's been relegation, whether it's been being told you're not good enough. He is a player who thrives on being told he is surplus. He is not good enough. And every time he bounces back and gets better. And I think that there may be a bit of that in Mikel Arteta. It's like the more we challenge Aaron Ramsdale, the more we'll get out of him. And my God, we saw that today. And I, for one, hope that Aaron Ramsdale is our number one at the end of the season. Has put on uh, 38 performances like that throughout the league season and is lifting the Premier League title. So I absolutely love Aaron Ramsdale. And... Um, and um, and I just think he's going to fix this focus issue. You're on mute, Pete. Uh, Aaron. Muting myself. How amateur. How amateur. That's like uh, letting the ball go between your legs as a goalkeeper, which I would know a lot about as I was terrible in that position. Um, I, think that, I think that it's a bit hopeful to think that David Raya is coming in and rejecting Bayern Munich and... Uh, Matt just left the room. Um, kind of threw me a little bit. I think it's uh, hopeful to think that he rejected Spurs and Bayern Munich to sit on Arsenal's bench all season. I think that he's probably been promised some minutes here and there. But listen, Aaron Ramsdale needs to make it as difficult as possible for that guy to wrestle the number one jersey. I think he did a really good job out there today. I think his kicking was incredible. Um, shot stopping has always been his problem. I think he's ranked 12th in the league for shot stopping, but those two shots that he saved today were um, absolutely magnificent. And uh, I'm not as emotionally invested in who ends up as number one, as long as we've got a goalkeeper that's not costing us games, especially in those tight games, those really difficult games where you can't afford a mistake or a miss, a miscued pass. So great performance from Aaron, great week for Aaron. Um, it's exciting, man. Loads of competition all throughout the squad. Nobody's position is safe, Johnny. Um, well, the, the, the thing is about it is it, when when your issue is playing in big games, you don't have a big game every week. You you, you know, you, you may have another game next week, but these are big games where they are going to define the season. They come around every now and then, and you've got to deliver in them. Otherwise, you might be waiting three months to get that game back, you know, to be able to show that you're, um, you know, up to scratch and you can play in those big moments. And so that is why it was so important today. I thought his save from the corner was absolutely insane. And as you say, Rodri, I mean, it, 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 was, it was brilliant. I thought he was I thought he was really good today. Well done, Aaron Ramsdale. He needed it. I do think, and, and, and one last point, I agree, Pete. I don't think David Raya is coming in as a, as a URL number two. Not a chance, not a chance. I think he is getting told, if you're coming in, there is no number one. You have to earn it. Between them two, it would be a you earn it. And and which again, as I as I said on the Patreon pod, very similar proviso to when Aaron Ramsdale himself came in and Burnt Leno was there. And it was ultimately, let's go and find out who our number one is. And I don't think Ramsdale can complain about that. But performances like this will go a long way to helping him wrestle the jersey for himself. All right. Next uh, next topic of conversation that we need to get to. Uh, I think it is always there's always a tendency for Arsenal fans. We get really used to a, 
a certain player playing well. And then we don't end up talking about them in the podcast because it's just expected they're going to put in an elite performance every game. We were a little bit guilty of that last year with Bakayo Saka. Um, we're not going to be guilty of it with the big lad, Bill Saliba, 200 grand a week, living his best life in private jets, going to Mykonos on holiday. He's come back early, came back early to training, two weeks after preseason to make sure that he was fit and raring to go this season. Uh, Johnny, we always go to you first on uh, Bill Saliba. We know that you've got a lot to say. Uh, I'm going to start your 15-minute clock time right now. Don't go over. What did you think of Bill Saliba's performance and what is he telling the rest of world football about his best centre-back in the world credentials? Well, look, first of all, let's let's look, let's let the audience look behind the curtain a little bit with the production, okay? Pete absolutely knew that Saliba was a talking point today. He had him in the running order. However, I found the headline, the little banner, if you like, to be a little bit undercharged, underserving. Okay. It was something like Saliba's bad, you know, Saliba's great or whatever. Or uh, should we be surprised? No. I had to rewrite that and give it the gravitas it deserves. And some alliteration. Big, bad, Bill's back. And what? There are people who have questioned me when I've said he's the best defender in the world. Where are you? Where are you now? I I won't give out my phone number live on air. But I tell you what, at me, at me. Come and have a chat. Because that was outrageous. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Erling Haaland will, that is a statement game. He will walk off and go, I mean, who the fuck's that guy? Because I do know him, but he's a joke. If I, There's not many players where if he's stepping up against them and they're both playing on their best, Erling Harden wouldn't dominate because that's what Erling Harden does. On their best day, it's going to be a 50-50 with him and Saliba because they're absolute, both mutants, both nutters. It was an outrageous performance. There was a 50-50 with Ruben Diaz there. The only other competitor for his best defender in the world claim, he tanked him. Get off. There was nutmegs out there. Distribution was a piss take. Play, to, play the ball to Saka on the wing in the first half. First time, instant, on the break. Players of top, top ability can do it. Everyone else can't. Sit down. It was an absolute standout performance. This guy is the difference. If he stays fit, We've got every chance of winning the league. I think he is already in a world eleven. I don't care. I'm I'm willing to stand there and say it to anyone. I think it was an absolutely superb performance for him. Everything you want. Physicality, technicality, personality, it's brilliant. Matt, take it away, mate, because I, I can't speak highly enough about him. He's he's the best defender in the world. I mean, he absolutely neutralized Erling Haaland, right? Absolutely. I mean, when when have you ever seen that? And he made it look easy. And I think you just have to go back to April, that fateful game at the Etihad. Rob Holding against Erling Haaland. Even just Gabrielle against Erling Haaland at the, at, at the Emirates at, at, towards the end. It just, he just, he, it's so easy to just get ragdolled. And then at one point, you're just like, is Erling Haaland even playing? And I know it's pre-season, it's the curtain raiser, it's all of that. No one's... But it's not easy to do what he did. And I think the other bit that I really liked about it was we all love watching Saliba do his do his fancy footwork. We all love him passing out the back. We love him those surging runs forward. We love all the fancy stuff that he does. But today he didn't do any of that. 
he just went and just said, I'm just going to stop you scoring. And he was unstoppable. So um, I've just we've just got to wrap him up in cotton ball. The biggest thing for me is we know there's a weakness with his back. Um, I don't think there's weaknesses. I think those weaknesses need to be managed. Um, clearly, it was from playing so many games. So I think it's just the biggest question about Saliba is not can he perform, it's how, what are the games we can rest him in? How can we look after him? How can we how can we make sure that we don't overload him? And how can we make sure that when it gets to the business end of the season, when it's 10 games to go, when it's Champions League quarterfinals, Champions League semifinals, he is feeling tip-top because yeah. he's just in a class of his own. Agree with that. Like the uh, he's he's a big boy and that that big heavy body uh, being relentlessly played game after game was the you know was the problem that led to his back injury last year. So hopefully we've got enough depth now. You know Rob Holding's going to exit. You know, we've got uh, a, a lot of defenders that can play in that position, and I just don't want to see him in the Carling Cup. I don't want to see him in the third round of the FA Cup against Rotherham. Uh, like I, I, I want to see him getting properly rotated, playing in the important games, um, and you, you know, just being treated a little, little bit better. I think Arteta is a little bit like Arsene Wenger, gets a gets a favourite and wants him in every single game. But as Manchester City showed last year, um, the best way to win a Premier League and a Champions League is to rotate your central defenders. Nobody changed their players more in the Premier League last season than Pep Guardiola. Our squad isn't quite Manchester City, but I tell you, it's not getting, it's not far off. It's not far off, and. Um, I don't think there's anything left for me to say on William Saliba. I think you two covered it off perfectly. Don't want to do William Saliba overkill because all the Arsenal players that watch this podcast might get a little bit jealous. Um, all right, let's move on to... Uh, let's let's talk about Kai Havertz. Another prediction that I put on the Patreon before the whistle was that Kai Havertz would start as number nine. Um, I think we were all kind of loosely in agreement that that felt right. Um, considering, you know, Eddie getting eaten up a little bit by Manchester City last year. Um, he got into some great positions. Um, he held his own strength-wise against some, um, you know, beefy Manchester City centre-backs, missed some absolute sitters. But I also think that, you know, maybe he got into the, the right positions that Eddie sometimes doesn't get into. Um, Matt, you're shaking your head down there. What did you think of the Kai Havertz performance? Have we got a pearl of a player and that needs to be shined and uh in a jewelry shop or something. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I thought he was great today. I really did. I thought it was Burkamp-esque. I thought he gave us some structure. He looked like a player who could play against Manchester City up top on his own. Because his touch is so good. He's deceptively fast. 
for me, it was a really, really, really good performance. Um, he didn't score the goals. Um, and I think the first one was just he made on his own. How do you even do that? Those three touches when, from the cutback. Well, from um, the bad pass. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable that he did that and he got the shot away and it, and it could have gone anywhere. It was, it was, keeper did well, could have gone anywhere. The pullback from Saka, I think it was, um, or Ben White, I can't remember which one it was, uh, should have scored. But wasn't a bad effort. And then everyone going, oh, this is what he did at Chelsea. So um, I thought, I thought I was really, really impressed. And I think if you played him there, routinely at Arsenal. I think he could succeed as a nine. Um, I think I'm excited about him playing in some other positions as well. But like I said, I see, I see Kai Harvard as a Kanu-esque player. I see him as a difference maker. I see him as a player who's routinely going to be used to break down a deep block, who is going to be asked to come up with that bit of magic, who is just a great unlocker of defences. Um, and I think we saw all of that today. He can do what mere mortals can't. Really, really, really like what I saw today. It much preferred it to sort of a, a, a Trossard or an Eddie just sort of buffeting a big, big, big sort of centre-halves of, of City sort of day. I saw something a bit different and I liked it. I think we're going to have to invent some sort of club for Kai Havertz that Matt is the leader of. That was an absolutely sublime description of his strengths and what he did for Arsenal today. Johnny, what did you see out there? Um, did it make you happy to see him lining up? Did you think that the height um, helped? And uh, do you think his performances can improve from here? Yeah, maybe, maybe Matt can be the new head of the Cobra Kai dojo. We know that that Cobra Kai has got a big following on Netflix, and at the end of the day, it kind of it, it, Cobra, you know, it kind of works. I, I do feel like it's a divisive subject, and I think that this one, I, I've already said, I think the way that Kai Harvard's pans out may go some way to to determining where this whole season goes for us. If he has a breakout year, I think it tips us over the edge. If he is really poor. And we walk away from the season like, why did we spend that much money on him? That could be, you know, that's the difference because City's equivalent. So if Kai's going to start playing up front, is a guy who's going to get 30, 40 goals again. And he's, you know, odd games here and there, but he's he's a killer. So I think I think the Kai Harvards thing is really, really interesting. Um, I said on the uh, before the whistle that I would much rather have seen Trossard play. I'm not 100%. We haven't even got onto Trossard yet. I'm not 100% against that notion, but I certainly resolved. And the reason why we all resolved on, you know, Kai playing up top if he was going to, was that I would have rather Kai played up top instead of Eddie. And I stick by that. Um, I was really interested and excited at times by what he was bringing. One of the things that, you know, one of the comps, you were throwing a few out there, Matt, Dennis Burkham. He's got a lot of Urzel for me, a really lot of Urzel. He seems a little bit temperamental at times. Um, and, but it, it's weird. He's not complete Urzel because there's there's a weird bit of Because he works hard. There's a weird <laughs> bit of bottle to him that you've almost not expecting, but he does. Like, he doesn't shrink. Even when tough moments happen, he keeps going. He's been at the top of European football, scored in the biggest game possible, won a Champions League. 
We know that he can do it. But he is a frustrating player. And I heard a lot of Chelsea fans saying that. I, I can see why he would frustrate. Listen, I, 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 I loved the first, the first opportunity. I thought that was dazzling feet that gets him a snapshot. That's the kind of stuff that makes me think maybe he can be a number nine. The second one, you've got to score. You have to. Come on. Let's let's be realistic. We're not gonna we're not gonna kill him for it. It's not a shocker. But if you want to start playing for us, we're not gonna win the league if our number nine can't take chances like that. He he is going to need to start finishing those opportunities. Um I thought that he, he showed a hell of a lot of opportunities that were available to us when he plays. And there are this certainly shouldn't be the end of the story with him playing it. I, I mean, I, I, I'm quite impressed, considering I was like, this can't be the guy who comes in when Jesus is out. Now, I at least see what he can provide. So I thought it was a really interesting performance from him. I love the fact that he can occupy even the best defenders. The physicality does transfer across. Even when Ruben Diaz is trying to run through you, he's a big boy. He can win headers. And obviously, his touch is generally quite good, but he will have to develop that ruthless edge for him to be a long-term solution. I think his touch is what's what's exquisite to me. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Closer to, me. to the so mic, Matt. I think I think that touch is just for me. That's the difference between him and an Eddie or a Trossard because it's. I mean, the touch is world class for me. Now, the finishing isn't. But I feel like he could get there with that because when you're getting so little opportunities, you know, in such tight spaces, that first touch just becomes infinitely more important. And so I I have not been that I, I've not been the most hopeful about him. But I saw something today. Yeah, it's very true. Excited. Yeah, you were not. You were not on board I, with the signing. Yeah. I haven't been enjoying it that much in preview, but I'm seeing these glimpses that I'm just like, this this could be interesting. And I think it's part of that evolution from an 11 to a squad. Because, you know, if you don't have Kanu, you don't win trophies. But, like, he wasn't starting. And I think that could be could be, I, could be a role for him. I think I do think one of the things that we... And I've spoke, spoken about this quite a few times this week. We judge players on their body language and whether they go on podcasts or not. And Kai Havertz looks like a little bit cold, a little bit aloof. And, you know, Johnny, you mentioning there, you're saying, oh, you know, like he gets stuck in, he works hard. So like the when we had Anthony on um, to talk about Kai Havertz or whether, you know, Anthony's Chelsea fan that we have on the podcast, he said, oh, don't worry about his aggression. He's too aggressive. And I look at him I'm like, you're not too aggressive. But today, like he's getting stuck in, he's not getting shoved off the ball. He's nothing like Ozil. The only thing that's close to Ozil is that touch and that spatial awareness that he's got. Um, I, I thought the way that he pulled that Ben White uh, errant pass back into his control and nearly put it in was Dennis Burkamp. And people don't like it when you say, this was like Dennis Burkamp, but come on. That was a pure Dennis Burkamp mode. It was, it was like he was watching the ball come at him in slow motion. You just can't believe how fast his mind must have to be working um, to turn that ball into a, a shooting opportunity. And... He has all the components to be a truly top, top, top world-class player. The controls there, the reading of the game, 
um, like just the, the the technical knowledge that he's got built up in his head, I think that Arsenal could really unlock him. And I think, you know, he, he hasn't really played in a chance creation um, machine over at Chelsea, not in the same way that um, Arteta is trying to build for Arsenal. And the one like kind of amusing observation I had, I remember when Arteta first joined, fullbacks would keep on pinging in these high crosses, like we had Olivier Giroud still playing for us, but we had small strikers or strikers that didn't really want to be, you know, be involved in the aerial side of the game, like Aubameyang. Today, everything was going on the deck. I'm like, you've got one of the best aerial nines in the league. Utilize him. So it'll be interesting when the team starts figuring out, oh, if you put a ball higher than three feet into the box, this guy might be able to do something with it. Though I must say, I, I, I do think that he will eventually drop back into midfield. The only thing that's slightly changing that logic for me is I think Kai Havertz as an eight was if Thomas Party was going to exit. But Thomas Party doesn't look like he's going to exit now. So I wanted to use that moment to shift on to um, the next uh, topic of conversation. Declan Rice. I mean, we're, we're an hour and three minutes in and we've only just got to Declan Rice in his like kind of full competitive debut. Um, he played in a, in a midfield with Thomas Party and Martin Erdegaard today. Um, he was dropping into left back position like peak Granite Xhaka. Um, he was playing in more advanced roles because he's actually got the engine to get up and down the pitch. Um, he looked far more confident out there. I love seeing him in a tussle in the box. Um, he was really using his strength and his, um, you know, his ability in the air. Um, Matt, you said last time he didn't look like a hundred and five million pound player. Um, now you're looking at him. Did he feel more like a hundred and five million pound player? And where is this midfield going to go this year? Because I've got absolutely no idea. I think he looks like he's still getting up to speed. Um, I don't think anyone's doubting that we're going to get there, but it wasn't it wasn't where we needed to be at the moment. Um, but um, I thought we saw glimpses of where where he could go. I thought that 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 piece in the second half where he ran back and intercepted the player and just had all that pace. You're like, ah, oh, now I see it. So he's going to become that player, but right now I think he's he's very much finding his way into the system. Um, nowhere near where, where where we need him to be, but he but I don't think anyone's criticizing him for that. I think he's been playing Moyes ball for for years. I think all it does is just highlight how incredible Timber is for getting up to speed so quickly and in a, in a fullback position. That's the difference between playing at Ajax and coming to Arsenal and playing at West Ham and coming to Arsenal. He will get there. Um, it wasn't a poor performance. It was just, it was, it was sort of a non-performance. But he's getting there. He's getting there. He's warming up. Johnny, um, what did you um, what did you make of Declan Rice today? And what did you think of the partnership between uh, him and Thomas Partey? Has that got future legs? Or do you expect to see Kai Havertz drop into midfield and play that eight position? And Declan drop into the six? No, I do expect that um, Kai, uh, that Declan and Thomas are going to be playing a fair few games this season, particularly in crunch games when we need to we need to solidify the midfield and you know pack it out, make us more resilient. I'd actually give it a, a little bit more of a positive rating just from how I read Matt's comments. Um, I thought he was a little bit better than average. I thought he was good. And I would, the reason for that is I would hammer home what you were saying, Matt. There were glimpses, little pastiches of what this guy is going to bring to the party. 
little 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 vignettes we could see into it. Uh, there was that moment in the second half you were talking about where he burst back. This guy is so pacey. He's so strong. I don't know whether it's Kevin De Bruyne or I can't remember who it was. He was just, it's just basically after a while, it's like, I'm quicker than you, I'm stronger than you. Get on the weights, bruv, off the ball, and let's move on. And and we haven't really, look, we, some of our best midfielders, central midfielders that we've had since Vieira are currently playing for the club right now, i.e. Thomas Partey. He's one of our better players. No one has been able to do this since Vieira left. There was a period where Alex Song looked like he was going to start. He was quite dominant. He, he was a good player. I don't think he was... Um, oh, well come passed, on. Yeah, out of it. Red he card. A, I thought he was a good player. Uh, I didn't think... Uh, this ain't going to be a referendum on Alex Song anyway. No, I know a lot of a lot of my mates slag him off. I don't think he was bad. I think... Anyway... But he what was I'm bad. Saying is, not only was he a, not only was he not a good player, he had a shocking attitude behind the scenes. So well, do not sure no love did. no love to Alex Song. I'm afraid he was just as bad as Özil. Well, I'm just saying I think Alex Song had some physicality in there that meant that he he, he wasn't the quickest, but he was strong. Declan Rice has strength and he has pace, and in the way that Patrick Vieira did, I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Vieira, but he's at least got the the building blocks to be that kind of player. And some players don't have those building blocks from a physical point of view. So Declan White for sure has a lot to get up to speed on. Um, I honestly believe that uh, he he could be an absolute talisman for us. I just think it's about giving him time, letting him learn, letting him build those relationships. But I'm really excited by that performance. It wasn't absolutely blow your socks off, but there were... Little snapshots into the future that gets me excited. Love that. I think that I think you're I think you're both Matt, were you I gonna just, say to me? Well yeah, I just saw a, a little picture of uh, Declan Rice lifting the charity shield, community shield, sorry. West Ham fans, I mean, how do you it, feel? He looks so, he just keeps winning, doesn't he? He looks so fucking happy. And when he's <laughs> isn't, he? isn't he? And when he's happy, I'm happy. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought Declan Rice was really good today. I think he's. I think the the position and the plan that Mikel Arteta has got for Declan Rice is probably a bit out there. Um, I'd I'd imagine he's quite excited. Uh, you know, he's gone from Granite Xhaka, who had real mobility problems and and a lot of weaknesses that we managed to cover up towards the end of his career, and now he's got now he's got one of the best athletes in world football. Like he is a specimen mm. of a man. Like the physicality he that he brings to our midfield, I think he's gonna allow Thomas Partey to um, open up his game a little bit more. I think he's going to give us more goal threat eventually. Those little bursts of pace when he's from a standing position. We just haven't had that in midfield. Um, and I'm glad he got on the pitch today. And it, it's going to be really interesting to see how Arteta shapes up the midfield because it's difficult to not have Rice in the team at the same time as Partey. Um, it's also like Jorginho is a top midfielder as well. And I think yeah. that he'll get minutes this season. So, uh, and also notable, I thought, oh, Jorginho not in the side. Uh, is he not happy about being part of three sixes? But he ran on the pitch and looked pretty excited about us uh, winning our, you know, the most important trophy of preseason. But Declan Rice looks great. Thomas Partey also looks great. I think we've got the best set of sixes pound for pound in the league. I did want to talk about something that is in the world of sixes, though. One quick thing, Pete. Collective noun for Declan Rice enthusiast in the AOP collective, decades. I like that. Go. Go decades. decades. I yeah. like it. 
Um, very 90s, very 90s. Absolute there. decades. The Love it. Love it. Um, okay, I did want to talk about um, another six problem. Um, I thought uh, Rodri was absolutely imperious uh, today. Like, he really is the heartbeat of that Manchester City side. Um, a- another player, uh, a big physical specimen. He's got some dark arts, though, that I would love Arsenal to get a hold of. Um, th- this is like um, two parts rolled into one here. Um, number one, Rodri's a good player. And if he gets injured, Manchester City are in trouble. But number two, what is going on with the referee situation? How did Rodri escape that game without a yellow card? But Thomas Partey picks up one after seven minutes. Um, it's it's so it happens all the time. And I think I saw a great comment on Twitter that I'm going to appropriate, which was the reason that we conceded that goal was because uh, Thomas Partey couldn't give away the technical. He couldn't give away a yellow card once the player went past him on Phil Foden because he'd already been booked. And that's what the difference is when you don't get booked. Like, it sounds really obvious. It's not just about getting sending off. It's about being able to make the tactical foul in those moments. It was an absolute disgrace that Rodri wasn't... Well, the first one, that yellow card for shirt pulling. Shirt pulling is a clear yellow card. Didn't get a yellow card. Arteta said he should have got a yellow card. He got booked. I mean, it does your head in when you see that. And then all game, he was getting away with it because he could. And then at the end of the game, you see those moments, and I'm so glad it came to roost, which is where it's coming to the end of the game. They haven't been booked, so they'll literally take a yellow because they'll literally just they can just go in and just and go in for for fouls and and tactical fouls that they wouldn't be able to do. So it really has such a big bearing on the game when you don't book players when they need to get booked, especially players like Rodri. Really frustrating to see. Johnny, do you think the, um, the Manchester City as a whole, they don't get a lot of red cards and they don't often get embroiled in any sort of controversy. They don't really bully the referees. They're not, you know, no one's got what you would class as a sort of Bruno Fernandes, like bad attitude on the team. Do you think that that gives referees the impression that their fouls are less important than Arsenal's? Because Arsenal have got a bit of a bad reputation because uh, people like Richard Keyes constantly talk about um, Arteta's behaviour. And, and also, like, factored into this, Mikel Arteta got that booking early on and that felt like the referees had sat in the room and said, that that young man steps out of line once, we're going to smack him and show show Richard Keyes what we're all about. Um, what do you make of Manchester City's favourable um, treatment by referees? Like, is that part of a Pep strategy? Or, like, what's going on here? I think there's two things going on. Number one, every single time the Community Shield runs around, and you hear about the new initiatives from the ref, you can always expect an initiative to be hit home hard, whether it be, oh, don't talk to the referee, or you're getting a card. Today, it was kicking the ball away, any kind of dissent towards referees. So the fact Thomas Party got booked is not a direct comparison with what Rodri didn't get booked for, because he actually was hammering home the new initiative that has been set from up high, Howard Webb, Pogmol. But the reality is, when you just look for basic refereeing of the game, Rodri should have been booked for that foul. That's just like, <laughs> forget about your initiatives. That's the rules of football. When you cynically hold a player when we're on the break and break up that play, that's a yellow card. You don't need anyone to tell you. It is. So you were withholding cards from other players. And, you know... Ultimately, 
I think two things are going on here. I don't necessarily think it's because, you know, they favour City, even though as you become a champion, referees do start to give you the decisions. We know that. It's the, it's the Taylor's oldest time. But I do think that we were a victim of actually being on the wrong side of the, the initiatives that they always push hard in the Community Shield and then six weeks into the season, they've all forgot about. But that's what I actually think is more to uh, to be at play here. But the fact that they didn't book Rodri for something like that, that then speaks towards the poor level of refereeing. That's, that, I would split the points and, and make it like that. Yeah, I found a Howard Webb sitting in the stands looking smug as ever. Over, over, looking at Stuart Atwell refereeing like an absolute uh, in, incompetent uh, man. Uh, it just, it's just really disappointing. You know, you, there's a refresh of uh, of squads every season, and fans expect to see um, new players come in and old players exit that aren't quite hitting the level. Um, what's what's going to happen with the refereeing this year? The curtain raiser suggests absolutely nothing. A referee of Stuart Atwell's experience should understand that Manchester City um, have rotational fouls. Instead of sitting in a room before the game saying, let's smack Arteta as soon as he steps out of line, somebody should be sitting in a room with an Optus stats pack saying, this is how uh, Manchester City evade referees. But it never happens. And the same teams get away with the same things over and over again. It was like Sadio Mane with his elbows uh, that he would leave in at goalkeepers. It's Harry Kane when he leans into the back of people when they're going up for headers. Dangerous things get missed every single game, and big teams get away with uh, they get away with murder, and they nearly got away with it today. But in the end, we won the trophy, so it doesn't matter. All right, next uh, next topic. Um, it's just going to be a little penalty review, guys. Um, we've had um, mixed fortunes over the years with penalties. Bukayo Saka has had mixed fortunes with England taking uh, penalties. Matt, you had a little question about Bukayo Saka and whether he should be our penalty taker after um, one of his misses uh, in preseason. Just wanted to get your take on um, some some of the redemption arcs and just some of the quality that went off in that penalty shootout. Um, what did you make of it? Well, first of all, I've really enjoyed um, uh, the opportunity to see us do a few penalty shootouts in front of stadiums. I think that really helped us. I thought it's interesting looking at the at the evolution from MLS to Manchester United to today. We've played a few penalty shootouts, and I think the penalties got better every time. So I think there's there's something to be noted in that. The more you do these these things in preseason, the more it helps. I think we've now got a number of penalty takers we can really rely on. I think Saka is one of those. I think Erdegaard is one of those. I think Jorginho is the best penalty taker at the club, if not the world. Um, so we've got a good batch of players who can go and go and go and finish. Fabio Vieira, he missed Fabio. A what a penalty! But, but I mean, that wasn't a performance. That wasn't a penalty of someone lag, lagging in confidence. So I'm just excited because it always felt like penalties were quite a lottery. But I think we've now got a group of players where you're like, yeah, no, I'd, I'd put my house on them. When Odegaard steps up, I don't worry. When Saka steps up, I don't worry. It doesn't mean they can't miss, but yeah, it's 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 looking good because we're going to need a penalty shootout win at some point this season to 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 keep get us through something. Johnny, did Fabio Vieira rocketing it into the top corner? Um, did he restore a little bit of confidence? Are we starting to see a little bit of sauce from the uh, the young Portuguese? 
Well, in a way, yes. And in another way, I don't think it, it, it may end up being his greatest moment at Arsenal. And you know what? It doesn't always work out for every player there. Lokonga is going to leave Arsenal with far less great moments. <laughs> you know what I mean? A couple of good games, maybe. Fabio Vieira scored the winning penalty in a trophy win. And, you know, if he doesn't end up at Arsenal, he can still remember that and be like, oh, that was a good moment. Um, you know, when we're talking about the penalties and stuff like that, I know there'll be talk about Saka. And I know I know there are, as you said, Matt, a number of players who can step up and do it. I don't think that Jorginho is going to be on the pitch enough to be able to take the penalties. And so, therefore, I do think we'll be sticking with Saka. I don't think that Erdegaard... I don't think that Erdegaard is someone I would trust over Saka taking a penalty. I'd rather Saka take the penalties, to be honest. Um, he still has that, you know, that hunger to score goals, I think. Um, and obviously, he's, he tucked his one away today. But, you know, just on that Fabio Vieira point as well, Reese Nelson, who I still question whether he'll have a, he go on to have a you know, impactful career at Arsenal, he will always have that moment against Bournemouth. Fabio Vieira, he's had his community shield moment. Um, and it's nice. It would have been an absolute... Think, imagine if he had missed that penalty and we'd lost the penalty shootout. It would have really felt like a moment that would have been hard to come back from a guy who was already on his haunches with the Arsenal fans. This feels like a potential building block he needs to use it, keep it going, keep the confidence he's shown in preseason, and try and get a little bit better. But listen, in moments like this, penalty shootouts provide a good little service as a confidence boost. Agree with that. Okay, guys. Well, I think that takes us to the end of the show. Can uh, I just say one thing? We've done a monster pub. We've not even really talked about Trossard. And I, I just want to we might not only get a few um we might only get a few comments on it, but that guy's the nuts. And he did score the winner today. And anyone who's like, oh, yeah, Kai's out there. And Kai showed this. Trossard came on with 20 minutes to go. And he still walked off bagging the, bagging the equaliser, which is absolutely what helped us win the game today. He, Matt, any he praise is... for Bossard? Bossard, mate. I mean, you got to say it. It's, it's unbelievable. I think, but I think, to be honest, there's... Another player, Erdegaard. We haven't even talked about Martin Erdegaard. I mean, some of those touches today, he's world-class. Um, I think that's just the level we're at. I think the great thing about today, the reason I'm absolutely buzzing about it all, is we're fucking, we're fucking good. Like, like forget, forget it all. When you look at it or when, it, when it's all going to come down to between what us and Manchester City do, we are a million miles ahead of Manchester United of Chelsea, of Newcastle, of Liverpool. That doesn't mean they can't all cause us problems on their day, especially at their grounds. But it's ultimately all going to come down to between us and Manchester City. We are, we're ready. You can just see it. We've got Bill Saliva, Timber, Odegaard, Saka. We've got B teams, C teams. We've got Mikel Arteta. We've got elite mentality. And then you're looking at what some of the other teams are doing and you're like, you're not going to fucking stand a chance. Honestly, you're not. Uh, um, that's the big take-up for me. We were worried about coherency. We were worried about how we were going to show up. We were worried if we were going to be ready for the first game of the season. What we saw today, absolutely ready. 
Absolutely. Before, even if we'd lost one nil, we knew we were ready. But having won the game, we're ready. Love it. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up uh, quite the curtain raiser. Our first proper kind of like semi trophy of the season. Um, will Arsenal start fast? The question has been answered. Will we be competitive this season? The question's been answered. Will Kai Harvard's Timber and Rice fit into this Arsenal team? I think the question's been answered. Uh, and another question's been answered. Will people come back to the Arsenal opinion live on the whistles? Yes. We've had 750 people in the room all game. Remember, smack that like. And if you like this on podcasts, remember, we've been doing a lot of content in the week this year. So just search the Arsenal opinion on all your favorite podcast apps and you'll be able to find us. Subscribe. And if you like giving five-star reviews because you're feeling particularly joyous after a massive win, get in there on Spotify or Apple and give us a five-star review. It helps with the old SEO. Um, we're going to be back all week with uh, with podcasts. We've got some more guest podcasts. We've got some Patreon stuff going on. It's going to be a very exciting season. We're going to be here all the time. We can't wait to spend a golden year with you once again. Thank you for listening. Ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.